Blog Talk Radio. Saturday of uh, 2020, and we're going to count down every Saturday through 2020. It has been a rainy day here in Indianapolis for the last two days. My backyard has turned into a a a lake, a lakefront. I got a, I finally got a lake house. Uh, it has been insane here in Indianapolis. We're located at high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of west suburbs of Indianapolis. Just a little bit west of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I give you a point of reference. Well, here we go. We are getting ready to start talking about IndyCar here in just a few minutes. Uh, Matthew Embry, WSVT, our official IndyCar contributor, joins us. We're going to be talking about the first race of the season, St. Pete. Yes, we're still a few weeks away, but it's time to start talking about it. We're also even closer to the Daytona 500 next week. We'll start talking about that as well. Another important date on the calendar this weekend, or this, or at the end of this week, beginning of next week, Monday, College Football Championship, which is Clemson and LSU. Talk about that. Also, this is divisional playoffs. So, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, is going to help us break down the College Football Championship. And then, uh, at the top of the hour, 10 o'clock, we got Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Going to be breaking down his Philadelphia Eagles and uh, the the NFL divisional playoff rounds, and we'll see what happens if, between Tennessee and and uh, Baltimore, and uh, we'll see what happens out west in San Francisco with the Vikings. Some great games in the wild card. So we'll break all that down. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is my my digits. Give us a call. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. We'll get things kicked off. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
with over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance morning face you get is when you don't sleep well this is what happened to linda morning guys good morning ah, what is that thing it's me linda oh my god it talks Run! no it's me linda from hr it looks hungry save the children save them stay back i've got me it's called beauty sleep for a reason and there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, welcome back to the battle. It's time to kick things off. 917-889-8516 is our digits. It is uh, that time of the year. It's 2020. The beginning of 2020 is here. And uh, we start uh, rejoining our seasons. And one of the seasons that we're uh, going to be rejoining is IndyCar. Joining us now is our official IndyCar contributor, Matthew Embry from WSVT up in South Bend. Matthew, how are you, sir? Uh, nice morning. Uh, just taking it easy right now, enjoying a wholesome bowl of Ego blueberry waffle cereal, and ready to talk any current a few other things with you right now. Here, Tom, how we doing? Ego blueberry waffle cereal. I don't know if I've ever had that before, but it certainly sounds Brand. tasty. I think we lost you there, Matthew. What'd you say? I'm right here. Okay. 
I, I didn't hear what you said. So well, let's get things uh, rocking and rolling. Obviously, uh, uh, we use this time of year every year for you to break down the preview of IndyCar as we get ready to roll into St. Pete. Uh, it's a few more weeks away, but it's uh, certainly not too early to to talk about the St. Pete 27 cars. Break us down the preview 2020 IndyCar map. Yeah, it's amazing how we almost have we could have as many as 27 cars, uh, considering. Just a few years ago, Tom, we were struggling just to get 20 to show up. Uh, good things have turned around. Uh, looks like at this point, uh, it should be within a few weeks' uh, time. Anytime now that Centino Ferrucci will sign the second deal with uh, Dale Coyne. Uh, if you haven't heard the news, Dale, Dreyer and Reinbold has extended their parameters. They're going to run in four events at least with Sage Karam and then the extra car, of course, with J.R. Hildebrandt at the Indy 500. And uh, good news, looks like Hoon Coast Racing has found uh, either a more sponsorship or a primary backer, and it looks like they may also uh, make an appearance at the opener at St. Pete with, uh, alongside their Indy 500 effort. And uh, that probably means either it could be Kyle Kaiser, it also could be uh, Spencer Piggott, uh, the ousted driver at ECR, who, of course, won a championship in Indy Lights with Hoon Coast. So, uh, at this point, uh, the situation is looking a whole lot better than it did, uh, say, just a few years ago, where we're getting closer to a max field of 28 than uh, struggling just to get beyond 20 cars. So, yeah, things have turned for the better for now. It's just the matter of keeping the momentum going in the right direction. That's the job for IndyCar. And uh, certainly, I think the Penske influence, uh, now that they are the chief overseer, I think has a lot to do with uh, the car count increase. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another important milestone that happened this week became official that Penske Entertainment, uh, Roger Penske's the company, uh, took over control of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the uh, IndyCar Racing Series. Currently, the sponsor is the NTT Data. Uh, but uh, uh, let's, re- let's review that a little bit, maybe for those that missed that news. And what does that mean? And what's the impact that has on IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500? Well, obviously, the parameters of the Indianapolis 500 and Indianapolis Motor Speedway are going to be improved greatly, especially for the fan uh, thing. Uh, for instance, uh, no more trough toilets. Apparently, it's the biggest rumor right now, so that's a good thing. Hey, that's, uh, that that's, was the biggest uh, thing out in turn three, man. Come on. <laughs> okay. Either way, but, uh, yeah, I think the fan amenities are going to be improved greatly. I mean, we're not going to get to necessarily, you know, uh, the seating like at, say, Lucas Oil Stadium anytime soon, but uh, I think the fan amenities are going to be a whole lot better. Hopefully, uh, the concession costs may be reduced as well. That's another big complaint I think fans have had over the last few years. And uh, we'll see how things play out uh, looking ahead to, you know, we get to – you know, the IndyCar Grand Prix qualifying weekend and then the 500, and we'll see hopefully uh, just how many go through the gate uh, for the IndyCar Grand Prix and uh, qualifying weekend, which have been uh, not so great draws over the last several years. Uh, with the better amenities, we'll see, and hopefully better weather, we may see a bigger draw for those two events uh, back to not necessarily to where we have near sellouts like we had in the 70s and 80s, but uh, – I'd say, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50% full, I would say would be a decent number. 
Well, certainly, uh, for the most part, all the full-time seats have been filled for the upcoming NTT uh, IndyCar Series. But that certainly doesn't mean that silly season is over. A.J. Foyt Racing, Carlin Racing, Dale Coyne Racing, Dragon Speed, and Juco Racing uh, set on a list of teams whose entries are await formal confirmation, if we will, of who will drive in some cases and how many pilots will rotate through the cockpit between St. Petersburg and St. Luke. Uh, starting at the top, though, with a uh, 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 Fort team emerges in the next uh, month uh, for spring training at the Circuit of Americas, it will have a different look in almost every regard. It's this year, it, it will involve two gar- cars and four drivers, and the signs of rebuilding the, the, the season uh, it looks like it's beginning to take place there with Foyt. Talk with us a little bit about that. My only question with the Foyt thing is how this is going to sit with Dalton Kellett, a guy that's not run, run the Indy 500 before. And if things work out, I'm assuming he's not going to be the guy to drive one of the two cars uh, for the Indy 500. Uh, he's going to probably be paired up with Tony Kanan, who's going to run all the ovals in the Indy 500, which probably means no ride for Indy for Kellett unless he finds something somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, you have the situation with Charlie Kimball, who's going to run as many races as possible, and then the races he can't run. Uh, the rumor is Sebastian Bourdais is going to come back to run those events. Of course, though, he has the conflicts, uh, looking ahead possibly to a ride at Lebois and then the Detroit round for IMSA. So I doubt he'd be the choice for them for the Indy 500 and the IndyCar Grand Prix. But, uh I think you'll see a Bourdais possibly in that uh, number four Kimball car uh, for multiple events uh, in 2020, just not the Indianapolis 500 or the IndyCar Grand Prix. Matthew Carlin Racing has been the subject of, of a lot of rumors and intrigue during the offseason. The latest speculation includes the Florida-based team uh, looking to sell its cars and exit the series, which was quickly uh, dispelled uh, this week as, as just as a rumor. Uh, but wherever there's rumors, uh, there's a little bit of truth to the rumors. So what's, what do we know? Well, I think right now we could have a different uh, team name uh, with this group. Uh, the rumor is uh, by the end of the year that Mitch Davis, the former manager of the third and fourth Ed Crees when Ganassi was a four-car team, supposedly is interested in purchasing the team from Trevor Carlin. Uh at this point, I'd say we're going to have a multitude of drivers, probably two, if not three at Indy. Uh, I'd say Max Chilton, who, of course, uh, has ties to Carlin for a long time. He's going to be involved somehow, possibly at Indy, with the windscreen now in there. Maybe he has the confidence to run on ovals again. Uh, Sergio Sete Camara from F2 is going to be a likely driver. And uh, the latest rumor is Sergey Sorokin, uh, the former Williams F1 racer, Another possibility that he could also be in there, and it would give the circuit their first Russian driver since Mikhail Lotion left the series a few years ago. So it looks like Carlin's going to run. Hunkos is going to run. Uh, the, another interesting thing is the situation with Dragon Speed. Uh, will Ben Hanley run all six races, or will uh, possibility come up for Colin Brown uh, possibly to run uh, the Indy 500 and the possible oval events that that team is focused in on running? So Yeah, there's still a lot of question marks, even though a majority of the main players for the championship have already been set in stone at this point. But, uh, yeah, the back of the grid, there are some interesting and intriguing stories, and especially uh, if you've seen the situation. We get to Indianapolis in May. uh, Roger Penske has made it clear this week that uh, there will be no guaranteed spots. 
All 33 spots are up for grabs, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting situation headed into bump day. Now, granted, a bump day could be different where it's a goes by clock instead of everyone getting just one chance uh, to qualify. So that could cause some intrigue uh, coming up to the month of May itself. So ultimately, a lot to look forward to. But I think the one thing that we can be confident is is the guaranteed spots rumor that we've been talking about for the last several months. That's going to be uh, dispelled and held back at least for another year, which is the good news. So another interesting development uh, that I know a lot of people are trying to keep track of is an initiative uh, from longtime IndyCar mechanic uh, and team manager Mitch Davis. Uh, Davis uh, worked with Chip Canassi recently for many years. They're in its uh, G2 IndyCar division and then joined Carlin in Toronto last year and has been known to be exploring options to secure ownership a stake in Carlin's IndyCar program and to join its leadership uh, group. So what, what do we know about Mitch Davis and, uh, and uh, Carlin? That's the one I just mentioned previously. Like I said, uh, Mitch Davis could become the part owner or the majority owner of this team. Uh, the rumors going around that Carlin is low on funds at this point. So maybe they stretch themselves a little bit too thick uh, going uh, from Europe over to the U.S., uh, at this point, though, it looks like at least Carl's going to be running things this year. But I would say by 2021, it could be completely under Mitch uh, Davis's control, this operation. If indeed uh, they do continue on in IndyCar competition or wherever they're going to be running. We're talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Um, Matthew, um, Dale Coyne, DCR, uh, announced this new rookie driver, Alex Paolo, uh, in a partnership with a new co-entrant, I'm sorry, which gives uh, uh, DCR racing with Team Gall uh, for its number 19 Honda, former Foyt racing engineer, Eric Calden, who served as Canon's first race engineer when he, when he came to America. He will do the same uh, with Paolo during his rookie campaign. What do we know about Alex Paolo? Alex Ballou, I think, is going to be very Ballou, okay. interesting. He has the possibility of being, you know, a surprise like Rosenquist and, say, Rick Wickens were right out of the box, or he could be, uh, you know, a mid-packer. Uh, Japanese Super Formula supposedly is a decent series, but I wouldn't say it's one of the top-tier, you know, development series across the globe at this point. So I'll be very curious to see what he provides in year one. But, uh like I said, uh, this coin team lost a lot of members of its engineering staff. No Michael Cannon, no Craig Hampson. So, uh, yes, Eric Cowden does have decent accolades, but I would not put him at the same level as, say, a Craig Hampson or a Michael Cannon as far as technical support. So, if there is a drop in performance by coin, I would not be surprised in 2020. Also, you know, a couple other things with uh, DCR, uh, they've, they've got their second entry, the number 18, uh, Dale Coyne racing with Vazor Sullivan Honda confirmed with uh, San Antonio Ferrucci, which we talked about. One of the other uh, things is the third car possibly with DCR. Uh, would the mayor of Hinchtown be a good fit there? What do we know about him? Give us a, a James Hinchcliffe update, sir. Well, I'd say right now, uh, I think James is just trying to salvage what he can. I thought there was a possibility that because he was still under contract with McLaren, if things didn't work out, and McLaren would maybe save face and possibly sign him for Indy and the IndyCar Grand Prix. But now it looks like the guy that they're targeting is Kyle Busch, 
for McLaren. So uh, coin at this point. So yeah, coin at this point would be a decent situation to at least give him a shot. You know, I doubt he'd be there at St. Pete, but he'd probably be there for the IndyCar Grand Prix, the Indy 500, maybe his home race in Toronto. Uh, so that would be a decent alternative there. My only question though, is what would that mean for James Davison at Bird Brothers? Uh, because they had been pointed for coin. I don't think coin will run four cars like he did a few years ago. So you got a decent uh, money with Davison and bird brothers. I'd be very curious to see where they take that money. Uh, if coin is not an option, if indeed uh, they do go with Hinchcliffe for that third car for, you know, the limited schedule. Well, uh, talking with uh, Matthew Embry, uh, a couple more teams to talk about here. One, is, well, first of all, while we're on the on the subject of hints, let's just let's just uh, talk about it yet again. What what do we think about him making the switch over to NASCAR? For which driver? Oh, Hinchcliffe. I'm sorry, James Hinchcliffe. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen at this point unless somehow Honda makes a commitment to go. And uh, I think right now at this point, uh, if Honda was thinking about making a move for 2021, we would have heard about it by now. But uh, I would say, again, we'll have to wait and see. I'd say if there is indeed a situation where Honda goes to NASCAR, I'd say the Euro should be 2022, not 2021. Because if they had made, if they were committed to go to NASCAR 2021 with the new car as an engine provider, they would have made that announcement, I think, long before uh, this point already. So uh, Dragon Speed is committed to a six-round uh, six-round campaign, I guess, and continues to draw interest uh, from a variety of drivers. Uh, ben Haley uh, steered the car during the Chevy-powered uh, team's rookie season. Uh, it would be quite a surprise to see uh, Britain return for, for, for more. Uh, let's uh, get an update on Dragon Speed Racing. Well, Alton Julian likes to keep things in-house with his driver picks, and uh, he's got like we said, Ben Hanley. But the question is, Hanley struggled so much at Indianapolis, they may go a different route for the Indy 500. That's possibly why they hired uh, Colin Brown, the ex-Xfinity uh, NASCAR driver, as possibly one of the drivers because he does have some oval experience. Granted, is in stock car racing and not open wheel. So I would not be surprised where Hanley does the five events, not including the oval. And I would not be surprised if Colin Brown is the guy that gets the ride for the Indy 500 for Dragon Speed. But uh, this is a team that likes to keep it in, in-house with their sports car drivers instead of bringing in a new entity. And uh, I think that's going to be tough for them, but I think they could be successful with it, especially uh, if they keep a guy like John Dick, a longtime uh IndyCar uh, engineer and overseer, if he stays with the team for 2020, I'd say there's a good chance that the Dragon Speed could still make the field and be somewhat competitive uh, in all the events they run. So Juco's Racing is the latest uh, team of note with questions with question marks, if you will, hanging over uh, its se- season. Uh, talks of progress are being made late in December towards a significant return in the 2020. Uh, give us an update on Juco's Racing. Well, I thought Hooncoast is about ready to shut down after they pulled out of IMSA and not running the Rolex 24 at Daytona. But uh, I saw the tweet earlier this week that said that they are planning on putting something together for IndyCar in 2020. And 
That could mean the St. Pete opener. It could be, you know, a pick and choose where they could afford to run. It probably is going to mean definitely an appearance of the Indianapolis 500. The question now is, is there, are they going to stick with Kyle Kaiser or are they going to go back to their former employee, Spencer Piggott? I'd say if they go with Piggott, they have a possibility of getting an improved driver, perhaps. Not to say that Kyle Kaiser is way below what Piggott could provide, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that almost won the poll for last year's Indianapolis 500, granted, with a much better car. But uh, I would be very surprised to see uh, if Hunkos possibly has a change of heart and maybe goes with the Spencer Piggott in that car instead of Kyle Kaiser. So let's also talk about the Fernando factor, if you will. Uh, Certainly anticipated uh, return to the Indy 500 with Andretti Autosports. This could turn into a part-time gig after he's done it at the Speedway, along with the green light NASCAR Cup champion Kyle Busch uh, has to try to make the show with the Chevy-powered team uh, in the first year of NTT IndyCar Series competition under the guidance of Roger Penske. This could really be an interesting uh, matchup. Yeah, I think right now the Fernando Alonso to the Andretti Osport team has all but a done deal. I think the real reason that he did not go to a Honda team last year at Indy was because he was with, still with Toyota and the FIA World Endurance Championship. And obviously, I don't think it sat well, really. The real reason people were talking about his disagreements with Honda and F1, but I think the real sticking point was he was a Toyota driver still, obviously, Honda's biggest rival in Japan. I think that has a lot to do with him not getting the seat there, and I think has a lot with uh, you know Kyle Busch looking for a to- for a Chevy ride uh, it, for the Indy 500. So I think ultimately with Alonso now just focused on uh, Honda uh, at this point, that's why the deal with Andretti Autosports going to go through. And uh, like I said with Kyle Busch, uh, Petsky says he's not going to run a fifth car. I doubt Ed Carpenter would run a fourth car for Kyle. Uh, the only question right now is what's McLaren going to do? Are they going to maybe open the doors to be aggressive again, like Zach Proud likes to do with bringing in Kyle Busch? Or are they going to bring in uh, Oriel Servia for another year? Of course, Servia is not on the greatest reputation considering how he uh, handled Alexander Rossi and nearly put him into the inside pit wall a couple times uh, late in last year's Indy 500. So I'll be very curious to see uh, – what Zach Brown does, but I, like I said, if Kyle Busch is going to find a ride for the Indy 500, I'd say right now his last and real best bet right now would be trying to get a seat with McLaren. Yeah, absolutely, because Penske uh, uh, president basically said there's uh, not a chance, and you know where, of uh, Kurt Busch driving a fifth car for the captain. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Silly season still goes on. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, any final words on IndyCar funny season? Then we'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, the big game on Monday night. Well, obviously, keep Bob Barsh in your prayers. Uh, the longtime uh, racing announcer uh, has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I think Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com has created a little fund uh, to support uh, the payments and stuff like that so we can get through this. So if you go to Racer.com, I think there's a place where they have that fund where you can throw out a few bucks uh, to support uh, Bob and his treatment uh, for cancer. Um, but uh, at this point... Uh, yeah, it's going to be very curious to see what happens over the next few weeks. I think there's going to be a few patch-up things, and uh, who knows, maybe another surprise or two pops up. And uh, we do have a max field uh, for the St. Pete opener, and uh, obviously that means good things uh, looking down the road. But uh, 
I think the other thing that we keep an eye on for some of the small teams is seeing where the engine leases come. Chevrolet only plans on running 18 cars or providing leases for 18 cars. That could be, you know, trouble for a team like, say, a Dragon Speed or a team like a, a Clawson Marshall Racing if Pippa Man's going to come back. Well, Monday night, 8 o'clock, uh, the Battle of the Tigers, LSU. Uh, Tigers, uh, certainly a, a favorite, been a, a, a good season for them against the Clemson Tigers. Uh, so what say you in the champion college football championship game? Assuming LSU does not get into the same, you know, errors and mistakes that Ohio State did against Clemson, LSU should easily win this ball game. But if they get a little careless, uh, just like Ohio State did, I would not be surprised if Clemson was able to win. But I think Joe Burrow and they were going to keep things in control. And I think LSU is going to win by at least two touchdowns. Well, we'll see what happens. And we're going to get into that conversation uh, with Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, standing by in the balance green room. Uh, Matt, you have yourself a, uh, a good weekend. And I don't know if it's raining up north, but it sure is here. So have yourself a, a good weekend. And we'll talk with you soon. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. And like I said, it's pouring buckets here. So, yeah, be very careful out there and only head out if you absolutely have to today because the road conditions are going to be very treacherous with the standing water. Protect yourself at all times today, folks, if you're up here. So, yeah, be super careful, especially with all the rain we're going to have over the next uh, 24, 48 hours. It has been raining in a constant stream here in Indianapolis for this is now day number two. All right, Matthew, have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, WSBT up in South Bend. My name is Sal Marquez. Elmer today, 917-889-8516. Our digits will be right back with Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, breaking down, well, the Battle of the Tigers. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. 
Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love. South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, helping us wrap up the IndyCar funny season. Uh, we're just a few short weeks away before we roll out into St. Pete. And, of course, next week we'll begin uh, our uh, NASCAR talk again uh, with Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest. Man, time flies in the offseason in, in racing. NASCAR probably has the shortest off uh, season, I think, in, in, in any of the sports. But joining us now, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, calling us from uh, the great town of Evansville, Indiana. How are you, sir? Uh, raining buckets here, too, Tom. It's a good thing I have a pontoon. Oh, I finally have a lake house, brother. <laughs> I finally have right. a lake house. My God. I, it started raining about 6 o'clock yesterday morning, and to my knowledge – it has not it has not let up, and um, my dogs are enjoying it. They are turning it into a mud thing. So the whole thing of letting them out, now drying them off, getting the mud off of them. Right. <laughs> it's a it's a whole ordeal. Going to the basement, checking, to make sure the sub pumps working. You know, my God, feel like a I don't know like a. Like a, like we're in Asia or something. How you know how they've got those rainy seasons where it rains for months and weeks <laughs> at, at a time. But there is there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel per se. I think tonight around nine o'clock it's supposed to stop raining. <laughs> so we we shall we shall see. Well, we want yeah, one thing we do. It's going to get colder, right? <laughs> yeah, it is going to it's going to uh, chill down a little bit. But hey, uh, yeah, well. that's uh, that's Indiana for you, right? Uh, those of us that live here know that uh, the the weather is what the weather is. <laughs> well, let's uh, get into the big game coming up on Monday night. Uh, it's all climaxed. Here we are, the Battle of the Tigers. No real big surprises there. Uh, I think maybe we we, we would have thought maybe some things could have gone a different way. Certainly, uh, uh, the committee got it right for the playoffs, and until we move to a a different playoff type scenario. Uh, I think they got it. They got it right. So we ended up with the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers. Let's start with the Clemson Tigers. 
give us a review of, of them and what to look for on Monday night. Uh, my question is, though, uh, does the winner claim get, get the rights to Death Valley? Because they both call their stadium Death Valley. Uh-huh. So would the winner just that they're both Death Valley, so I don't know which one the right one is. I always saw LSU was the right Death Valley, but here lately Clemson has been like one of the best teams in the country. So, But now they get to play each other for it, so I guess maybe the winner gets the title. That's what I say. I say whoever whoever uh, wins on Monday night gets to say, hey, uh, Death Valley is our home stadium. The rest, the other one plays as a guest. <laughs> okay. that, that is an interesting question. Hmm. Maybe we should have proposed that to um, uh, Jeopardy. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we know they always get sports questions, right? <laughs> Here's the sports Jeopardy with uh, Dan Patrick. It's pretty good. What is it? Sports Jeopardy. It's hosted by Dan Patrick. Oh, I haven't seen that. I, oh, really? I knew he always oh, wanted yeah, to host man. it. Where's, where, where did we catch that at? Oh, I think it's on that game show network. You know what channel I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I don't so know if I get it. I sit on there every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dan Patrick though. I listen to him quite quite often, uh that's for sure. Well let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the breakdown and uh, the quarter uh, about all the quarterbacks between these two and, and really I mean you look at their seasons being a lot identical as far as wins and losses goes. Uh so it is kind of a I won't say hard game to break down, but kind of a generic game to break down. Uh, so let's talk about the, the, the two uh, two quarterbacks. Obviously, Heisman a Trophy uh, winner there, uh, who's clearly going to be a first-round pick in the NFL on the LSU side. Uh, but uh, let's uh, get to know the quarterbacks. Well, maybe Trevor Lawrence is going to put the chip on his shoulder, right? Because uh, I think maybe Joe Burrow took his spot, maybe even took his Heisman from him. Because uh, at the beginning of the year, we were talking about Trevor Lawrence and Tua, and then neither one of them was in New York for the Heisman presentation. I think Trevor Lawrence is, uh, can look at that and maybe play to a little more aggression. Uh, you know, it's going to light things up Monday night. You know, you see, look here, you bastards. I didn't uh, – you didn't invite me to New York, and I'm going to stick it to LSU here. <laughs> Very well could be. Very well could be. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually kind of hoping that you know, from a, from from a fan aspect of it, I I like the Tigers, the LSU Tigers. I've I've enjoyed watching them this season, and you know, I think I think it'll be a fun win for them from from the aspect of uh, looking at it as just as a fan. I, I'm going to root for the LSU Tigers, and uh, I, I think they got a pretty good uh, pretty good shot of uh, claiming the, the national championship. What are your thoughts? Well, they got the best coach to root for. I love Coach O. I love hearing him talk. Uh, I love the whole thing. There's not a better fit for a coach in school that you could have than at LSU and, and Coach Orgeron. Uh, that is like a match made in heaven. Uh, I know that he sounds like a swamp monster, and that's exactly perfect for LSU, and he's a damn good coach, as it turns out. And I always just keep thinking how he was the head coach when Lane Kiffin got fired. He took over at USC, and they let him go because he didn't sound like he belonged in Hollywood. He didn't sound like he belonged in L.A., but now look at him. I mean, at USC's loss, I keep thinking back on that, and but just how perfect he is for LSU. 
Oh, I you're continuing to talk. Sorry, my my fault. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. And I I really, like I said, I've really enjoyed watching this LSU team. Uh, and and really, number one, LSU is kind of playing a a pseudo home game on Monday night at, at the Mercedes Benz uh, game because you know it's right there in their backyard, uh, if you will. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, it's certainly a battle of the SEC. It always is. What what do you think? When we, I mean, I, I know we, I know we know we talk about the ACC and the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, but there's something about football, college football, and the SEC that just is it's just a an unpenetrable force. It seems like what what do you contribute to that? Recruiting, yes, but there's a reason why they've been so good for so many years, which is why they've been able to get such high level recruits. What do you think that is? What's the root of that? Well, high school football is great down south. You look at Texas, Mississippi, Florida, those are all hotbeds uh, for high school football, and those kids stay in the south for college. So it, it, that, that's the root of it. That's, that's really it. The other good states for high school football, California, Ohio, you know, Notre Dame tries to get out because they're more – they're a nationally programmed. They get out, get some of these kids from Ohio, California, Maryland, something pretty good for high school football but the best states for high school football texas mississippi florida uh these are southern southern states and they stay down south to go to college well and you know who doesn't like to play college football when in warm weather states i think that contributes to it a lot especially that that adds to it a bunch that's exactly right it's not like it was back then Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, you know, you can't use that for siege of your football program and always win the national titles to get kids to commit to your school anymore because they don't want to play when it's 20 degrees outside. I mean, that that's exactly right. It's a, it's a different era of student athletes coming into college now. They don't want to play when it's cold. That it, I, I, you hit it all, right on the head. I, I believe that 100%. Now we call them snowflakes for a reason, right? That's right. <laughs> well, one thing the we do know for sure. Geography just plays into it. I mean, it, it is. It's all about geography anymore. Sure. It's not about what you did back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s with your football program and that whole everything that goes with that. It, it's Geography goes into uh, probably more than academics and everything anymore. Well, it, it, you know, the Big Ten, certainly uh, uh, Ohio State gets its recruits, Michigan gets its recruits, and, and I think, uh, I like to be positive here, but I think that we're beginning to see a, a uh, sign of improvement for uh, recruiting for IU football. Uh, certainly Tom Allen has did a great job down there, did a great job this, this past year, so we'll see how that, that continues to, to play out. But one thing we do know for sure on Monday night, it's going to be one hell of a matchup between uh, two of the top quarterbacks in college football, obviously uh, uh, Burrow and then uh, Lawrence both, uh, certainly both uh, NFL caliber type quarterbacks as well. And Clemson has won uh, two of the last three national championships. LSU is looking for its first national title since Les Miles led them to the crown in the same building after the 2007 uh, season. So this is going to be a big win for the uh, LSU Tigers if they can uh, make it happen. Any any uh, final thoughts on that? And I want to kind of get into some of these uh, uh, 
kids who are going into the draft and talk a little uh, pre-draft uh, from the college level, uh, if you will, uh, here in just a moment. But uh, any final thoughts on the game on Monday night between uh, the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers? Well, you know, I caught the uh, end of uh, what Matt Embry was thinking, and uh, I actually agree with him. I, I think if uh, LSU doesn't make the mistakes, like Matt Embry said, and this is, I mean, kind of stole my answer. This is one of the things I was going to say when I was coming on. If they don't make some of the mistakes and they don't get out of the you know, character like Ohio State did, uh, I think LSU wins this game easily by a couple of scores. So uh, I know hey, – you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, that defense is fast and great for Clemson. Uh, but it's just for some reason this year, LSU has just been on a different level. They're playing at a different speed than everybody else. Uh, I, that Their secondary is the best in the country. And as you're against, they're going against Trevor Lawrence, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, but it comes down to uh, Clemson's receivers and how they match up against uh, Grant Delpit and that great secondary for uh, for LSU. And I I just don't see it getting done. I, Trevor Lawrence, they're gonna make, he's going to make his plays. Those receivers are going to make some plays. But I don't see a 300-yard passing game against LSU in this game. And Clemson's going to need that. If they're going to win this game, they're going to have to play perfect. And that requires a 300-yard-plus passing game from a – from Trevor Lawrence, and I, I don't see that against the secondary. Well, one thing for sure, uh, the Cincinnati, and, and don't fool yourself into saying any other name, uh, but one name for the Cincinnati Bengals going into the draft. It, there makes no, they they will not, mark my word, a dollar to a bag of donuts. They will not pick anybody but Joe Burrow. Anybody else in the conversation for the number one overall pick is just totally out of the question. Joe Burrow will be the next franchise quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. True or false? It's true, but if we, if everybody considered Andy Dalton still has something left, if he is still worth a damn, just halfway average, then they would take uh, Chase Young. But Everybody's done with Andy Dalton, at least Bengals fans are. Uh, so, yeah, it's hands down uh, Joe Burrow is going to be number one pick. And Chase Young is going number two. That's also hands down. Uh, Washington Redskins from Ohio State. Yes. Uh, I I think I, – I certainly – I think that you're right on that. I, I Right now I don't see anything that – maybe, maybe – Maybe they go with Willis and and uh, the the Lions pick up Chase Young, but certainly I can't see Chase Young uh, last and past the three. Which at this point, the way I look at it now, Willis is going to your Detroit Lions. What are your thoughts? Well, there's going to be a lot of trying to trade up for that number two to get Chase Young. Uh, the Lions are going to try to trade up one spot. Uh, I don't know what they got to give up because they've traded away all their good players as it is anyway. Uh, they keep finishing, you know three wins under Matt Patricia. I, I, I don't know what they do. So, uh, I don't know. Who's like the 70th best player on the board? That's probably who the Lions take in the first round. Who did you say the Lions? Would take? I don't know. Oh. Probably the 70th <laughs> best player, the way, the way they draft. <laughs> you know, we we, we made round all... guy, they'll take a number one. We made all kinds of jokes with the way Miami was playing at the beginning of the season. Uh, taking for Tua, taking for Tua, taking for Tua. Well, it, clearly we know Burrow's going to go number one overall. 
Uh, we know uh, Chase Young's going to go number two. Okay, so we know Miami has the number five pick. There's a very good possibility that even though we made all those jokes about tanking for Tua, they still end up with Tua at the five pick. Yeah, I think that's probably the right call. I think they still uh, they still take Tua, and he's not going to play next year because of the injury. Sure. But they are going to have they, – they will take Tua, but he will not play the NFL next year. So what do we think about the Giants? The Giants have a number four pick. A lot of people think that that's a home for Andrew Thomas, uh, offensive tackle with uh, Georgia there. Yeah, Tom, you're getting into draft talk, and I don't have any players or anything in front of me. I'm, I'm watching TV. Uh, you're just going to throw out names, and I'm just supposed to know who they are, right? <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah. Come on, dude. Maybe they, okay, well, well, we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Star Wars then. Or you know what we can talk right. about? The, the Matthew said he was having the new blueberry waffle something cereal. What's your favorite cereal? <laughs> uh, I think back in the day it was Count Chocula. Ooh, but I like a lot brings, of cereal. That brings a, a, a blast from the past. My favorite yeah. uh, growing up up was. Well, you know, when I was a kid, they had what was called cartoons on Saturday mornings. Man, we'd, we'd sit there and eat cereal in front of the TV and watch cartoons. The real cartoons. <laughs> Bugs Bunny. That's right. Uh, yeah. Foghorn Leghorn. You know, the real Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. I remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> We're old, aren't we? We are, we are old. Get there. Old fellas. Getting so let's there, talk definitely. a little, little bit about Tua. I mean, Tua, obviously, we, we talk about his injuries, and we know that he's going to be – and I know you know that name, so we can, we can stay with him right now. But uh, Tua, uh, obviously, has been one of the elite supreme uh, quarterbacks in Alabama's history and in present history as well. But it just goes to show that you never know what will happen and how it will happen. Do you think – that because of the unknown and the uncertainty and the more of the guarantee money part of, of things uh, is why Tua decided to, I'm going to go ahead and go into the draft. Yeah, you're exactly right there. I, I kept thinking that because he couldn't work out for these scouts the way he wanted to work out and show everybody what he could do and help his draft status even more, that he would actually come back. But there's a big risk in coming back if he gets hurt hurt again next year. So uh, I agree with you. Get the money when you, when you can get it. There's no reason to play another season without getting paid for it, right? Take the get the money, get paid whenever you can get that money. Uh, go into the draft, and he's still uh, like we just talked about with the Dolphins. He still might be a, a top five pick if they're picking fifth. If no tra- crazy trades happen. You know, like like we think it's going to happen for Chase Young, for one. Uh, there might be some other teams going to trade the Dolphins for Tua. We don't we don't know, but it looks like he'll still be a first-round pick this year. Uh, so he'll get that first-round money. But he's not going to play in the NFL next year. He's going to get better. He's going to get rehabilitated. But I think you're right. Go ahead and get the money whenever you can get it. What do we know about Mike Leach and his replacement out there in Washington? Yeah, I think the Egg Bowl has just uh, become must-watch TV with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. You know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss play each other in the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving weekend 
every year. So that just became us watch TV. Wasn't that the game? Uh, and I probably may be getting them confused in my old man's brain, but isn't that the game where one of the players went into the end zone and hiked a leg? Like he was like he was peeing. Oh, like a, what was like that? A male dog I think you're right. I think that was that game. Ridiculous. <laughs> Lane Kiffin to Mississippi State. I mean, no big surprise there, but I'm, I'm I'm good to it's good to see old Lane getting a uh, a, a shot at at a, at a real opportunity there. And you know what? That's probably a really good fit for him. Well, I, I mean, he's been the SEC before, and it didn't work out. So. But maybe he's grown up a little bit from then to now, and uh, uh, maybe it it would be – he's probably a better recruiter now than he was then. So just based off that, it might be a little better run this time because he was a head coach of Tennessee, and they ran him out of there because he was awful. He's not the same guy that got fired on the tarmac, is it? No. Yeah, that's the that's same guy. Yeah, oh, same, same guy. guy. Uh, stays off the same guy got fired by the Raiders. <laughs> Well, that's it, what you, you first know, heard Kiffin, by the way. How the hell did he become the head coach of coach of the Raiders back in the day? You know, you could ask a lot of questions. His dad's Monty <laughs> Kiffin. That's the reason why. Never mind. I just asked rhetorical <laughs> questions. <laughs> rhetorical. Don't use big words, Rick. I told you about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know who's worse at hiring coaches. Uh, although we'll see how Gruden pans out. Uh, everybody was on the Gruden bus and. I, I give him a a mediocre pass for the 2020 season. It was his first uh, season back uh, in a in a pocket full of money. The the Brinks uh, Brinks truckload uh, up to his house, but I think he he was less than expected. But I still give him a passing grade for the the 2020 season. He certainly had a, a good strong outing. Obviously, it, he beat the Indianapolis Coats. So we gotta gotta give him a mark of deduction there, but uh, <laughs> but Jack Gruden, hey, they the were Raiders. they were on the bubble making the playoffs, and uh, Derek Carr's not his guy. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do in the draft, but uh, I think he wants Carr out of there for one, and uh, I don't think Carr Carr's his guy. And they were on the bubble this year making the playoffs. I mean, they had a couple tight games that just went the other way. Uh, we're talking about Oakland in the playoffs right here because they they were like it's a razor thin margin of them like not making the playoffs this year. So let's talk a little bit about Freddie Kitchens gone out of the uh, out of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, group. They're the last uh, the Browns. Cleveland and, Browns. What did I say? Uh, the Bengals. I said the Browns. Oh, Bengals. <laughs> I don't know why I said the Bengals. Another yeah, Ohio team screwing me up. Another terrible <laughs> Ohio team, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland. Sorry, you're right, Cleveland. Um, but uh, Freddie Kitchens out. What a what a mistake that was. They have yet to hire a new head coach. So the last of the Mohicans, the last of the standing of that of that 2020 class as far as new coaches go. Where are they looking at? I think a, a lot of people um, are talking about uh, oh. See, because I purposely wanted to forget his name from Indianapolis, um, and he went when he came from New England to uh, here and yeah, then. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. He's from there. It's a good fit for him. 
Uh, I don't think this year he proved anything to make himself head coach worthy, but he's certainly good enough to take over from Freddie Kitchens there in Cleveland. I think that's where a lot of people are talking about. But uh, I know uh, Ed was talking to me a little bit about Schwartz. Uh, they, they were talking about wanting to talk with him. So uh, what are your thoughts as far as what direction does the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns go for a head coach? Well, I think the Josh McDaniels thing is just not official yet. Uh, I know where I've seen that he has twice now this week in the past two or three days has been on the Cleveland Browns plane. They sent his their plane to him twice to get him where he wants to go back and forth. And I think it, it's almost uh, – it just hasn't been made official yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, why? That yeah. would be the that would be the next bizarre question is what what are we waiting on? I mean, you know you're I not holding out for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just know that I've seen he's been on the Browns team plane twice now in the past two or three days. Interesting. And the whole yeah. Cowboys situation, that was another really bizarre coaching change as far as how that came about. Did you hear about all of that? Yeah, all the meetings ran into 500. It's like the Cowboys record. I guess Jason Garrett wasn't accepting his terms of release. And uh, I think they just made a sideways move here, right, by hiring McCarthy. Uh, maybe McCarthy has been looking uh, this past year, studying the uh, these maybe these new offenses and taking notes and seeing where he can improve, you know, when he's taking this year off. And maybe the Cowboys – I, I'm with you. I don't think he's the Cowboys savior, but maybe they can take a step forward with him. Uh, but also at the same time, I feel like that was just a lateral move instead of a move forward. Well, there was just a whole bizarre story about him spending the night at Jerry Jones's house and, and uh, Jason Garrett's uh, basically uh, refusing to accept his termination saying he still wanted to be considered for the job. It was really Kind of an odd situation, an odd story of how all that came together. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't worry about the staying the night at his house thing because it, I've heard on the radio that people's been to his house. It's more like a hotel. There's a whole staff and everything. You know, it's, it's more like a hotel. It's not like you know they're staying up late and playing PlayStation together or anything like that. It's, it's really more like a, a six star hotel, if you will. You know, with the whole staff and just everything else than, than it is really a house. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Playboy Mansion. You never know. It could be. I mean, why would you not want to stay there? Hey, <laughs> I would stay there. I would definitely stay there. Well, we've got the divisional uh, matchups this weekend. We're getting ready to get into that conversation with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. You're more than welcome to stick around. But uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, certainly uh, the big game up in Baltimore between the Tennessee Titans and uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Ah, man, Lamar Jordan's the real deal. You got to think that as good as Tennessee has has, uh, been lately, I just don't know. I would be shocked if they have enough in the tank to beat um, the Baltimore Ravens. I would be shocked, too, but I do think this is going to be a close game. I think the spread is somewhere around 10. I think Tennessee uh, can actually – cover that. I think it's actually a closer game than what people are thinking, even though I think Baltimore gets the win. Let's go out west to San Francisco. Obviously, the Vikings are headed out there. 
Man, what are you talk about a, a good game that was uh, with the Vikings? But uh, so I think this should be a good matchup. But I, there again, I, I think that the 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 Vikings and the 49ers are kind of a mis, mismatch. I'd like to see the the Vikings win. I'm, I'm kind of a, a Vikings fan. They're a fun uh, team to watch. But uh, uh, they play the the 49ers today. Well, just because of my uh, gambling addiction that I have at work now, put all this money in the fantasy football, and now we have like in a playoff pool. Well, here I had to put ten bucks and draw a team. I drew Green Bay. All right, so I'm really just wanting Minnesota to somehow get a win today, and Green Bay move on next week because I think uh, yeah, Minnesota playing against Green Bay would be the easiest road for at least me to get Green Bay into the Super Bowl. I don't know about winning it, but. Yeah, I wouldn't depot it if Green Bay wins the Super Bowl. So uh, I don't see it happening. I, I think uh, San Fran is just going to be too much for the Vikings to handle. And I think it's also weird the Vikings and what's going on with Adam Thielen there. Uh, now he's got like stitches in his foot and try to say he hurt it during practice. Uh, but I think what we're going to find out is it's just some kind of weird home injury that they're going to cut. They're trying to cover up for the time being. But it, it's a weird situation. So. Uh, they got a lot of uh, weird things going on at that organization right now, and it, it's surprising to me. I mean, they were a playoff caliber team anyway, but with just the, the weird stuff going on now, I, I don't see with all that and them taking on the 49ers and beating San Francisco because uh, I don't think uh, Kirk Cousins is that type of quarterback where you, you can just rely on, rely on him to, for, to throw 130 yards a game and beat San Francisco. So that's not going to happen. San Francisco is going to get an easy win. Uh, I rambled that answer on, and uh, I added no value to the show with all of that. <laughs> no, you always add value to the show, Rick Riggin. Always. There's just a value, talking head here. Yeah. <laughs> value is your middle name. Um, real quickly, I do let you go here before we get Ed on. Are you staying on or you got to go? Uh, I got to go. You got to go. I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing else. All right, Rick. Yeah. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? <laughs> On Twitter, at Rick and underscore Rick. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Yep, have a good one. <laughs> Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, helps us break down the Battle of the Tigers um, and uh, the college football championship, college football coaches and stuff. 917-889-8516. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. SI.com. I'm going to continue our talk about divisional uh, breakdowns. We're going to break down each game right here on the Balance Radio Network. I am the shadow and the smoke in your eyes. I am the ghost that hides in the night. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, 
money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Hey, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billy, Billy, my Billy, Billy, where are you, Billy? So I need to talk to you regarding money. I stomped on all the fun chunks. My grief has a scent like suffering. A rusty navel. How to get rusty? Look at this. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down and wrapping up the funny season of 2019 to 2020. Just a few short weeks till we roll out in St. Pete, and believe it or not, it is less than 90 days before IndyCar comes back here to Indianapolis uh, for the greatest spectacle in racing. Next week, we'll be start talking uh, NASCAR and getting uh, ready to go for the Daytona 500 coming up in a few short weeks, which actually starts their season before IndyCar. Uh, just joining us, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, breaking down the big battle of the titles down, down in New Orleans uh, ne- next week. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll be continuing to watch that on Monday night, uh, the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers. But joining us now is the biggest Tiger of them all, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. How are you, sir? I, uh, I'm good, Tom. I hope you don't expect me to growl uh, as a Tiger. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, no. <laughs> no growling. Not my skill set. 
No, no growl. The only growl I use is the kind you put beer in. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. So I don't know about you, but the entire state of Indiana is underwater. It started raining here yesterday about 6 o'clock in the morning. And I kid you not, it has not stopped. But I've always wanted a lake home, so now I have one. It is it is crazy. <laughs> I don't know how the weather is on the East well, Coast, could, but man. Yeah, well, I guess it could be snow, right? I mean, you could have gotten snow. That's what they're uh, calling for in Green Bay, I think, tonight. But yeah, here in the well, here in the East Coast, it's uh, right now it's pretty mild. It's almost seventy degrees, which is really crazy for oh wow, uh, man, January January tenth, I think. Yeah, so it's. It's almost 70. It's supposed to go up to about 67 today. It's uh, partly sunny. The sun's out most of the time. It's a little breezy. Uh, but I think they're calling for some rain moving in later tonight. And I think it's going to impact that Ravens game in Baltimore. Uh, tonight, I think they're calling for like an inch or two of rain down there in Baltimore for that game against the Texans. Well, I hope Green Bay does win and uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, for what, uh, So that they can beat Seattle for what Seattle did to uh, the Eagles. Also, I don't know. It's something about a playoff game at Lambeau in the snow. It just, it kind of feels right. It kind of feels like, Hey, uh, yeah, this is how it's supposed to, how it's supposed to play out. Let's real quickly talk with the Philadelphia Eagles about the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously their season has come to an end, uh, like all but a few teams in the NFL has happened. Uh, but certainly a disappointing loss to the Seahawks, uh, uh, break that game down and break down the 2019 season of the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I think I think fans in the area kind of feel a little cheated uh, after that game last week when Carson Wentz was knocked out of the game in the first quarter. Um, you know, then they had to kind of play the rest of the game with sort of one hand tied behind their back. Um, you know, it would have been interesting to see, and I think every Eagle fan feels that way, that, to see how the Eagles would have done had Wentz stayed uh, healthy for all four quarters. And it's really a shame for him that, you know, here he stayed healthy for all 16 games. First time he did that since his rookie year in 2016. And then here he is in his playoff debut, and he can only uh, answer the bell for nine snaps. So uh, very disappointing for him. At this point, for the Eagles fans, I think uh, a lot of people feel they probably would have won the game had Wentz been able to stay in the game because they did move it a little bit with Josh McCown, their backup quarterback who was playing his first playoff snaps despite being in the league for 17 years. Um, but he, he moved the ball a little bit. But once he got into the red zone, he, he kind of, uh, failed in the red zone, and that's where Wentz was excelled. You know, the Eagles were the third best team in the NFL in red zone efficiency because of Wentz, uh, having thrown 19 touchdown passes in that in that area to no interceptions. The Eagles were very good in the red zone. So uh, you like to think that the Eagles would have put up a few points and maybe beaten the Seahawks, but we'll never know. Uh, injuries for the 2019 season, that was their, their story. I mean, they had 13 guys on IR, and you know, they were playing with receivers who weren't even really on the team uh, at the start of the year. They lost Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar didn't play in six of the last seven. So, uh, you know, it was a kind of a, a no-name group. Um, but yet they were somehow able to win the NFC East. I guess that's, a, you know, the NFC East wasn't that good, obviously. But the Cowboys did have the number one ranked offense. And, uh, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I guess if you look at it, you can look at it two ways. I think there were a lot of expectations for the Eagles coming into the season back in August. A lot of people uh, thought they'd go to the Super Bowl, including you, Tom, and me. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. So you can say it was a disappointment. But then when you factor in, you know, the injuries to the running back and the offensive line, even they had two backups playing Sunday on that offensive line uh, without Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks being healthy. Uh, so if you look at it from the prism of injuries, then 
winning the NFC East, beating the Cowboys on your home field with the Cowboys playing for the NFC East title, uh, it, it was a success to get into the playoffs and get a home game. But, um, again, losing Wentz was really a huge factor uh, in that game, and it's unfortunate that it happened. Yeah, and it's really – you kind of got to think maybe it's got to mess with the psyche a little bit uh, just because this is kind of like deja vu. But, you know, I, when when it first happened, I, I think a lot of the announcers that I was listening to on the radio and watching it on television, a lot of the announcers were kind of getting a little concerned, and they were talking about bringing his wife down in the locker room. And at one point, one of the uh, announcers were saying that they thought that he was going to be taken to a local hospital. None of that came to be, but certainly at the very beginning, there was some kind of a scary moments about that. Uh, so uh, what do we know about his injury? Is it, is, is it a minor concussion? Was it a lot more severe than that? What, what caused uh, some of those uh, uh, panic comments, if you will, from the booth? Yeah, well, my understanding is once he went into that blue medical tent, um, he was very dizzy and kind of wobbly. And then they tried to sit him on the table in there. And he couldn't sit upright. He kept kind of falling off to one side. And uh, I think that's kind of what caused, you know, the concern. So they brought him back into the locker room. And, uh, you know, he seemed to be walking okay. You know, all of us on press row kind of saw him uh, walk by us. Uh, we saw McCown initially with his helmet on. And we were looking around for Wentz. And then we realized the blue tent was up. And we're like, up, oh, Wentz is probably in the tent. But we didn't know how serious it was until – you know, later on, you know, the reporting that was done indicated he was very dizzy, very woozy, very wobbly, couldn't sit upright. Uh, so that was, you know, that was the cause, I think, for the concern. And they had his wife come down. And it was a pretty sad scene. She was carrying his suit that he was going to wear in the post-game press conference. And you saw her in the in the tunnel after the game. And, it, you know, it was kind of sad to see that. But uh, yeah. obviously he wouldn't be wearing that suit because he didn't finish the game. But then uh, I think – this week, uh, Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, the general manager, met with the media on Wednesday, and Doug indicated that uh, he thinks Wentz would be able to, would have been able to play Sunday had they won and gone to Green Bay. Uh, the, you know, the reporting I've done is he did pass a concussion protocol test this week, so uh, he, he'll, he's fine. Um, but, you know, you get that first concussion now, and then you think the second one you're a little more susceptible to. So, uh, yeah. you know, he's going to have to be careful going forward. Has he made any comments or had any press conference regarding uh, his season and uh, look at, uh, forward? Obviously, we certainly anticipate for him to be back full force and ready to go next year, but has he uh, made any formal comments to you guys? No, he has not. He has not talked with us. I don't know if he'll talk before April when the players reconvene or, or you know, if that's the next time we'll get a chance to, uh, to really sit down and talk to him. We did see him. They had the locker room clean out day on Monday, uh, and it was kind of a bizarre scene when – you know, we came out of the locker room in the hallway. There was Wentz talking to Ertz, who was talking to, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey, who uh, his right leg was propped up on one of those walkabouts after having his Liz Frank surgery. And then right next to them was Miles Sanders, who was on crutches in a walking boot on his right, right foot. So it was a really bizarre scene to see those four guys out in the hallway just kind of talking to one another. And, you know, two of them <laughs> were so banged up. I'm not sure Miles Sanders would have been able to play Sunday had the Eagles won. It's kind of like in, the, in those war movies where you see one group yeah. really all fresh and ready to go up into the battle and the other group coming back from the battle and they're all banged up and on crutches yeah. and, you know, slings and, yeah, kind of like that. I get it. Yeah, I totally understand. Exactly right. 
Well, we got a game this afternoon, yeah. and that's uh, out in the Bay Area. The Vikings uh, got themselves a San Francisco treat uh, to go out there to play. And what a game it was against the Saints. I think that was probably one of the best games of the weekend. I, I like the Vikings. I think they're fun to watch. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they got enough in the tank to beat the 49ers at home, but, man, it would be good if they do. Let's break down this game, the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I don't think really anybody gave the Vikings a chance to go into New Orleans and win that game. I mean, I thought the Saints, in my view, were the best, you know, most well-rounded team in the playoffs, and I thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl, to be honest. You know, they were good in offense, defense, and special teams. And, you know, that Vikings defensive line went into New Orleans, and, man, they really dominated the uh, Saints front. I mean, Drew Brees was sacked several times. They forced fumbles. Uh, you know, just a wonderful job by Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, and then this, this uh, I don't even know how to say his name, number 95, Abdu Nabu or something. I don't know, but he's just been on a tear. Um, but going into San Francisco, second straight road game in the playoffs, it's very tough to win on the road to begin with. And then you factor in the playoffs and the intensity that ramps up. It, it's a big ask to have the Vikings go into the San Francisco where the 49ers are well-rested coming off that bye week. They've had two weeks off um, playing at home. You know, it's Jimmy Garoppolo's first playoff start too, I believe. So, you know, that could be a factor. But that Vikings defense, if it can play like it did in New Orleans in a very tough environment, very loud environment, certainly louder than what I think San Francisco's uh, Levi Stadium will be uh, this afternoon. If they can bottle that and repeat that, uh, it's going to be very tough for the 49ers to win. And I see a lot of people that are now kind of giving the Vikings a little respect, and some have picked them to win uh, in San Francisco. I just think going on the road uh, against a well-rested team for a second, you know, for a second streak, straight week, they're on the road. That's tough to do to win two in a row. So, they're going to need that defense to play well. Uh, they're going to need Kirk Cousins who kind of shed that uh, big monkey on his back that he couldn't win in the prime time situation. He did that last week. So that kind of pressure is off. And uh, if you look at Kyle Shanahan, he's got the monkey on his back of having blown that 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl uh, against the Patriots back when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, you know, he's kind of has that specter hanging over him of, of, you know, the job that he didn't do by running the ball in the Super Bowl and closing that game out and, uh, instead of letting New England come back. So uh, I think Shanahan's got that a little bit, uh, you know, in the foreground. So he needs to get rid of that label. If he wins, then I think everybody can kind of forget about that for, for a while. But uh, I, I think I like – I think if you ask me who I like, I'd probably take the 49ers just because they are at home. They're the well-rested team. I think they're going to be a little bit uh, healthier – uh, going into this game than they were at the end of the regular season. And just because I think the Vikings, it's tough to win two games in a row on the road, get alone two playoff games. Well, it's been done before, but how good is Kirk Cousins? Is he as good as yeah. he looks, or is he just kind of having some uh, good lucky games uh, come his way? Well, you know, I, that's a good question. I, I think that, uh, you know, he has been in the playoffs before. He just hasn't had that at success. Uh, and now that he has that little taste of success now, you know, maybe he's playing with more confidence uh, going into this game than maybe he had been in primetime situations before. So, you know, I think he's always been a, a good quarterback. Uh, we'll see how great. I mean, this is the time when you determine if you're good or great is in the playoffs. And, you know, we're about to find out if, if he's good or if he's great by, by uh, how he does in these games. He certainly has the weapons. I think getting Dalvin Cook 
back healthy. The running back uh, really, really helped them, especially in New Orleans. They were able to control, uh, control the ball, control the clock, pick up yards on the ground with Cook. And, um, you know, the 49ers haven't done a real good job stopping the run, uh, you know, toward the end of the regular season. Uh, so they're going to have to stop Cook um, in order to win this game because they always say the running game is the quarterback's best friend. And, you know, Cook right now is Kirk Cousins' best friend. I ask you the same question about Garoppolo uh, out in San Francisco. Is he as good as he looks, or is he just kind of lucked into a lucky season? Yeah, he's he's got some good weapons, and he's you know he's kind of figured out Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, in the beginning of the season, uh, you know, I think the first couple games was a little bit of a struggle, um, but you know he's kind of figured this thing out. He, I think bringing in Emmanuel Sanders at the trade deadline to be their number one receiver has really really helped him. Uh, and they also can run the ball. They have a, a lot of running backs. Uh, Raheem Mostert, who played with Chip Kelly here in Philadelphia, he brought him in as a free agent. And, uh, you know, he's looked really good. And they have some good running backs that can kind of uh, help Garoppolo. So, you know, both these quarterbacks don't have to go out and do too much. Uh, I, all they have to do is kind of, uh, you know, make plays when the situation warrants. But, you know, their running game is going to be a big factor to help them too. And, uh, we'll see how Jimmy G does here in his first playoff test. Uh, you know, an inexperienced quarterback. We saw three of them last week, I think, with um, Ryan Tannehill uh, and, and Carson Wentz uh, playing. And I can't remember who the third one was. But, you know, Wentz obviously got knocked out. Tannehill uh, only threw for 72 yards. But he had the running game uh, with Derrick Henry. So, um, you know, again, that running game can be a huge factor to help out the quarterbacks. They're a beast, so that's for sure. Before we get into the AFC uh, championship round, if you will, uh, divisional round, if you will, uh, the uh, Texans just took care of business with the New England Patriots. One, uh, a lot of people think that Tom Brady will be back because they're not, he's not going to want to end his season that way. But will he be back with the Patriots? A lot of people think that they'll, he'll get signed for a, a, a one-year or two-year contract. But certainly, there's the rumor mills out there of Tom Brady exploring other options. And as much as I vomit in my mouth when I think about it, one of the rumors that are starting to get legs is him coming to Indianapolis. And, you know, looking at it just from the pure non-fan aspect of it, Indianapolis probably makes the most sense for, for, for it. But, but there again, there's the the deep-rooted hatred that we have learned to have for Tom Brady. I just wonder how that will play off with the fans, if that will even come into consideration. But I think he has the best opportunity, uh, in the short term anyway, with the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of people have talked about the, the Steelers, the, the Broncos, uh, even the, the the Chargers and Philip Rivers to Indianapolis. So, uh, what are what are your theories as we begin Tom Brady Watch 2020? Well, I think that you mentioned that hate love relationship that fans have with uh, you know opposing teams athletes. And I I always think back to when I was younger and Pete Rose played for the Cincinnati Reds. And boy, I hated Pete Rose. I hated the way he looked the ball into the mitt with each pitch and how he dove head first. And boy, I just hated him. And then the Eagle or the Phillies went out and signed him. And then I loved him. You know, he let him do the World Series. And, you know, <laughs> and he needs to get I, I into the Hall Rose. of Fame, damn it. <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree with you 100%, but uh, that's a conversation for another time. But, sure. uh, you know, I just think that fans will get over that hate very quickly if Tom Brady comes into their team and all of a sudden 
you're watching him play in your colors on Sunday afternoon. I mean, I just think uh, fans would love to see that, to be honest. Even though you might hate him uh, for whatever reason, believe me, that hate, you know, washes away very quickly. Uh, well, so we anyway, had, we I, had I that. Think, you know, Bra- I was just going to say, we had yeah. another former Patriot that did relatively well here. So <laughs> That's right. Adam Vinatieri came in and uh, you, you found a way to love him. So I think there's room in the Indianapolis fans' hearts to love Tom Brady if he should end up in uh, in Indy. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, it's still kind of early. I think, you know, what could play a factor in what Tom Brady decides to do is uh, the fate of his uh, offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. You know, he interviewed uh, with Cleveland on Friday, and uh, last I heard he was, you know, one of the front runners to get that yeah. job. If he were to leave New England, would Tom – also follow suit and leave New England. And uh, and then what becomes of Bill Belichick? Does he retire? Does he uh, take a year off? Does he go somewhere? Does he come back with who knows who at quarterback? They'd have to go out and find somebody. Um, but, you know, I think there's still a lot of uh, things that have to get cleared up before Tom makes that decision. But, yeah, Indianapolis would be a terrific landing spot for him. I think the Colts are kind of a team that, you know, should have been in the playoffs this year, would have been in the playoffs this year, had – uh, you know, some things broken their way, but I think they're a team that's on the rise. And if you're Tom Brady, you don't want to go to a, a franchise that isn't on the rise or a franchise that isn't expected to win. You want to look around at the landscape and see where I can help put this team over the top to win a Super Bowl because you're just not going to go limp around and finish your career, uh, you know, with some also ran and uh, tarnish your legacy a little bit. He's going to want to look to go to a situation where he feels uh, that team can win a Super Bowl, not in two or three years, but next year. Well, on the docket this evening, as you mentioned, a possible rainy day there in Baltimore. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens host the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill and Lamar Jordan, two good quarterbacks. But, man, Lamar Jordan is a beast. He's the real deal. Um, You kind of think that this kind of way he plays, the style he plays, can't last forever. Uh, but it's doing good so far. So the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, what say you? Well, this is kind of a rematch, right, of their game. They played uh, right around Thanksgiving, I think it was, in week 11, and the, the, the Ravens just blew the doors off the Texans 41-7. There was a lot of hype for that game, a lot of talk, and, you know, the Texans laid a big, huge egg in that game. So, you know, they're going to be motivated to kind of turn that around. And, uh, you know, if you look at what this – you know, you can equate it to the Eagles last year when they made it to the playoffs and they had to go to New Orleans for this weekend, you know, this divisional round game, and they had gotten uh, their doors blown in by the Saints in the regular season. I think it was 45-7, to seven, something like that, and they went in and, you know, they almost beat the Saints. So, you know, I think, you know, everybody might be discounting the Texans based on that um, previous game, but I think the Texans will play better. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have enough. You mentioned uh, Lamar Jackson, who – uh, threw four touchdown passes in that game. He might be without uh, Melvin Ingram, I think, who is uh, listed as questionable for the game. Um, and even if Ingram plays, you wonder if he'll be 100%. So, you know, Jackson's going to have to do a lot uh, in his first playoff game, uh, and, but he's been doing a lot all year. Um, and if the rain is a factor, it's going to come down to a running attack. I think it's going to be hard to throw the ball. And, uh, you know, I think the Ravens have the better running game. So I would suspect that they'll find a way to win this game. Lamar Jackson will, uh, will get them into the uh, AFC championship game next week. 
which one would think it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, again, it's I guess in one way it's good to see the AFC getting a little bit stronger, uh, or, or maybe it's not, but uh, from the AFC South standpoint. But, I, man, the Chiefs, uh, I like the Chiefs. I, they're my second favorite uh, AFC team. So I really do like the Chiefs, uh, and they're at home, and it's not a blizzard like it was last year. Uh, so what are your thoughts about um, the Texans and the Chiefs? Well, two things. First is Andy Reid. Uh, you know, he's he's a master at getting teams into the playoffs, and uh, but he's not really the master once they get into the playoffs. He has a hard time for whatever reason, whether it's his fault or the personnel, whatever it is. Uh, Andy can't find a way to get over the hump and get a team into the Super Bowl. He did it once. In 14 years in Philadelphia, he got to the NFC Championship game five times, went one and four in those games. So, uh, you know, that's the first question to me is how will Andy coach this game? Uh, and the second one that I really like Kansas City for is the uh, is the tight is the defense. Their defense is um, has played very well, especially late in the year. And uh, you know, if they can continue to play like they were late in the year. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for the uh, for the Titans to score, especially if you're relying on that running game, which they really do. I mean, I don't think Tannehill can throw for 72 yards again uh, and beat the Chiefs. He's going to have to really step up his game, which he did once he took over for Marcus Mariota. But, you know, this is a whole other level for Tannehill. This is his second playoff game uh, of his career. Um, didn't distinguish himself in the first one, but he didn't have to because you have Derrick Henry who ran for 180-plus yards. I mean, that guy was just phenomenal, 34 carries. I mean, when was the last time you saw an NFL running back uh, carry the ball 34 times in a game? Uh, just a beast. And, you know, if the, if the Titans can control the ball and the clock like they did in New England, then they can give Kansas City a, a run for their money. But I think that's going to be very tough to do, and I think the Chiefs do get past this game. Uh, but I thought the Vikings were going to lose in New Orleans last week. So, really, what, what do I know? I mean, maybe the Titans win the game the Chiefs. So, uh, as we think it now to be, San Francisco uh, and Green Bay, uh, Kansas City and Baltimore, uh, who wins between that scenario of a matchup? Uh, you mean in the AFC and NFC championship games? Who's going to the yes. Super Bowl? Yes. That's what you want to know. Let's see. Um Gosh, that's tough. I, you know, the Packers kind of have been under the radar, at least in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, they have the best quarterback. I mean, Russell Wilson, you know, he's a beast too. I'm not sure. You know, that's going to be a good game Sunday night to see Hawks and the Packers. Uh, but I think, I think Rodgers has a little bit more around him uh, to win that game. So that makes it Rodgers versus Garoppolo. And I'd take Rodgers in that matchup. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the quarterbacks there. But I, I think we'll see. I think the Packers will probably win the NFC. Uh, gosh, and, and the AFC, I mean, the Chiefs certainly look like the best team. That Chiefs-Ravens, if that's what it is next week in the AFC title game, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a great game. That's going to be a fun game. Um, boy, <laughs> I really haven't thought it that far. Let's see. I, I guess I would go, I, you know, my heart <laughs> would go with Andy Reid and the Chiefs. <laughs> Just because I do like okay. Andy, you haven't spent – years in Philadelphia. So I would, I would go Chiefs and Packers. That'd be a fun soup. I'd be, uh, I think that would be a rematch. Wait a second. Wouldn't that be a rematch of Super Bowl one? No. Uh, uh, was only Bowl. year old enough to remember Super Bowl one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't rem- I can't remember, but I know the Packers were in Super Bowl one, and here they here's the hundredth anniversary of the NFL. So, you know, it would be interesting. You know, it'd be kind of a fun storyline if the Packers got back there on the hundredth year anniversary of the NFL after playing in the first Super Bowl. But, um, you know, that's you know we'll have to wait and see. It's kind of difficult to predict that, but I'd like to see the Packers Chiefs. I guess is what I'm saying. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us as well. Ed, you're gonna stick around. Uh, I got a roll. I have uh, okay, buddy. I have a lot of writing to do. So, but I listen. <laughs> thanks a lot, and enjoy the weekend. Yes, sir. We're gonna go boating here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> On my new Better lake. Than shoveling snow. This Better is true. Very true. Yeah. All right, man. We'll All talk right. with you soon. Mo yeah, from the bye-bye. BS Sports. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. Mo, how is you, sir? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me as well. Are are you staying dry? It started it started raining here yesterday about six o'clock in the morning, and it has not stopped. And as I as I've mentioned a couple times today, I've always wanted a lake home, so now it has, has happened. Well, you, my, you got one. That's right. My entire backyard has turned into the Great Lake of Avon. <laughs> <laughs> So we're just continuing the conversation here, and we'll just kind of recap a little bit. Uh, let's start, though, uh, with uh, the college football championship, the Battle of the Tigers down in New Orleans, uh, a, a quasi-home game for the uh, LSU Tigers, uh, obviously uh, looking to win their first uh, national championship since 2007, which happened in that same uh, building. But the Clemson Tigers have a history in this game. Uh, so, But you have two of the uh, great quarterbacks, and certainly one with – would think would be the first overall pick to the to the Bengals, and that's Joe Burrow and Heisman Trophy winner with LSU Tigers. I like the Tigers, LSU Tigers, uh, in this particular game. But break down the college football championship on Monday night. You know, I think everybody's waiting to see. You know, that at some point they're waiting for a letdown game from Joe Burrow. But uh, you know, what a story this team has been. Clemson obviously is battle tested when it comes to a national championship game. Uh, but you know what? The LSU Tigers have played a lot of big games this year, and I think that uh, that helps them for sure going uh, into this football game. Normally, I would think this would be a game that uh, you know Clemson would have to lose. But again, you know, like I said, with with the experience in big games that LSU has had this year and the big wins, and uh, you know the um, the emotion of uh, Coach Ed Orgeron, uh, it's it's really hard for me to to pick against the LSU Tigers, especially like you said, with a with basically a home game there uh, in New Orleans. So. I'm going to take LSU, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring, very fun game. Yeah, it's going to be a real fun game uh, to watch. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Let's uh, get into the uh, uh, divisional NFL divisional uh, rounds. Uh, we were just talking about that with Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, let's, let's start with um, the uh, Tennessee Titans and the uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens supposed to be a pretty rainy night there tonight, uh, but uh, certainly Ryan Tannehill has, has did a great job, but Lamar Jordan is the, is the real deal. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's break down the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Well, you know, I think if you're the Titans, you're hoping for a, a rainy night because anything that would stop, slow down Lamar Jackson a little bit. Uh, if you're Tennessee, it's going to come down to your defense. Uh, like it did last week against New England, it's going to come down to your defense. And can you contain uh, Lamar Jackson for an entire four quarters? You know, we saw uh, their last game uh, of the regular season with the Baltimore Ravens when, you know, Cleveland kind of held them scoreless for a quarter and a half, and all of a sudden the onslaught began. So if you're Tennessee – 
uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's got to turn uh, red zone opportunities into touchdowns, you know, and he's also got to make sure that, uh, you know, that his defense, it, it, you know, can keep Lamar Jackson on the field. That's the biggest thing, you know, and, and Tennessee has got that humongous running back and, and Derrick Henry. Can they control the clock and can they control the football? And it's going to be a night if it's as rainy like it's supposed to be, that you're going to be running running football. So uh, can Derrick Henry keep uh, Lamar Jackson off the field? And, and that's the key, I think, you know, obviously to uh, success for the Titans. They played a fantastic game last week in Foxborough, and you hope that they don't have the letdown uh, today in Baltimore. We get a, a pretty good game. But uh, there's always that chance for a blowout. Uh, when Lamar Jackson's on the field, Mark Ingram going to be a, a probably a game time decision. It doesn't look like he's going to go as a practice all week, but we'll see what happens with uh, Ingram, who's also a big part of that Baltimore offense. Well, I tell you what, Lamar Jackson is a beast, that's for sure. And you got to wonder how long this can last, but it, it's working right now. But yeah, absolutely, anything you can do in the smallest scale uh, to uh, uh, slow down the Baltimore Ravens. Let's talk a little bit about that huge win, uh, Tennessee over uh, New England. We are talking a little bit about this with Ed earlier. Uh, but it, it began the 2020 Tom Brady watch. And, you know, as much as I, as I mentioned earlier, as much as it, it uh, makes me want to throw up in my mouth, the ever-growing popular rumor, which that's all it is at this point, is that he lands with the Indianapolis Colts. There's other options. And also there's the option that he'll end up back at, at New England or he retires uh, what are your thoughts as we begin Tom Brady Watch 2020? I don't, I don't think there's any way he retires. No way at all. Uh, if he was going to do that, he would have done it after a Super Bowl win. Uh, I think he he is sincere when he says he wants to play until 45. Uh, he said this week there is no hometown discount. He's done enough of, uh, of giving discounts to New England Patriots. So if they want him, they're going to have to pay him. For him to come to Indianapolis, which would make sense at this point in his career with a fantastic offensive line, the Colts are going to have to put more weapons uh, around him. You know, we saw what happens when T.Y. Hilton goes away, uh, how just, uh, you know, terrible that passing game is. So if the Colts hope to land a guy like Tom Brady, uh, they're going to have to put weapons around him because I think he's he's played so long without, you know, weapons other than really like a Randy Moss, uh, you know, what weapons has he really had? I mean, real weapons. Obviously, Julian Edelman is a do-it-all type of receiver, but type of weapons as Tom Brady had. So I, I think he's tired of doing that, realizes the career is in the, in the home stretch. So uh, if the Colts hope to score uh, a guy like Tom Brady, we're going to need to put some offensive weapons around him. Well, yeah, the Colts don't have that right now either. Let, let's talk a little bit about the Colts, why we got them on top. Let's say it's not Tom Brady. Uh, is, it, is it Phil Rivers? Is it to get somebody in the draft? What are your thoughts about uh, the Colts and the quarterback situation? Well, I think it depends on how far that uh, Tua Tungavailoa will fall. Uh, is a team early on willing to take a chance? You know, a lot of the bad teams have picked quarterbacks up over the last couple of years. You know, teams like the Browns, the Jets, uh, you know, those teams don't need quarterbacks. Uh, Tampa Bay often decide what it wants to do with Jameis Winston. Uh, but can Tua fall enough to where the Colts can move up, you know, four spots to get him if they want, if that's what they want, but realize he's probably not going to play, you know, next year. But you do have Jacoby Brissett under contract for one more year. And you can see what you got with uh, with Tua. So yeah, I think if you're going to draft it, it's going to depend on, on who falls to where they can get to. They're also not going to get to number one with what they have. Uh, you know, and uh, and it's going to depend, I think, a little bit uh, what they do in free agency. I know Phillip Rivers, I, I, I don't see him doing it just for the fact that, you know, he still drives from San Diego every day to L.A. for practice. Uh he seems like a guy pretty set in his ways. I just – I don't see that one happening. I could see him winding up with, uh, you know, a, a, a 
Vegas Raiders team or, or something like that. But, you know, who knows? Uh, like I said before, I think Jameis Winston is intriguing. I don't know if you can fix the interceptions, but if you can, the, the kid's got talent. You know, he can he can throw the football down the field. He scorched the uh, Colts for five or six touchdowns earlier this year. So uh, there's some options out there. But if you're Chris Ballard, you, you have to decide what you want to do. Is the uh, is reuniting Nick Foles with, with Frank Reich something you want to do? But then you have to talk into the, the cat makes a lot of money. And what do you give up for him? So uh, there's some interesting scenarios out there for the Colts uh, this year at quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, talk about the the other big game uh, happening today, and and that is, uh, yeah, brain fart. Oh, that's right. It's the Minnesota Vikings and San Francisco 49ers. What a great game that was against the the, the New Orleans Saints at home. I mean, it's going to be a struggle for the Vikings to win two games on the road in the playoffs. Uh, Garoppolo seems to be playing on all cylinders. But yet, there again, Kirk Cousins and, and the Vikings uh, should not be underestimated in this game. What are your thoughts and, and as we look at uh, the Minnesota Vikings at the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of the Vikings' success is going to depend on the health of Adam Thielen, whether he plays or not. Uh, you know, it, it's Kirk Cousins' chance to shut up all the doubters. You know, can he be continue to be a big-game quarterback? We saw it last week against New Orleans, but that was one game, and, and I think Vikings fans – uh, are wanting to see more from Kirk Cousins when it comes to these big games. They're paying him a, a ton of money, and he's got to continue to prove that he can be a, a big-game quarterback, uh, and that's going to be tough against the San Francisco 49ers defense that has just eaten quarterbacks alive all year long. Uh, so can they get Dalvin Cook involved uh, in the running game early and get that moving so they can throw the ball downfield? Again, it, it uh, you know the Vikings offense kind of goes as Adam Thielen goes. The games he missed this year uh, you know, were some tough offensive games for them, so – uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see come game time whether he's going to uh, be on the field or not. And if you're the 49ers, you continue just to manage your game like you have all year. You pound the ball, you run, 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 and you keep the other team off the field, and you keep that amazing defense they have rested. So uh, it looks like a San Francisco win tonight uh, for them at home against the Vikings. Well, well, we'll see what happens. And then tomorrow we've got another big game, another big AFC uh, matchup between the uh, Houston Texans. Again, uh, a great uh, win that they, they had last week. Uh, but uh, the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, Houston struggled to to beat Buffalo last week. And, you know, playing the Chiefs at home is uh, an entirely different subject. So, yes, uh, I haven't liked this Texans team all year long. I don't think they're coached well. Uh, Deshaun Watson has, has taken uh, numerous hits again this year. Uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Will Fuller plays. He didn't play last week, which hampers their offense a little bit. Uh, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see can they keep up with uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Houston's been a team a lot of time this year in the red zone that has settled for field goals as opposed to touchdowns. And against uh, Patrick Mahomes in this offense, you can't do that. Now, the one thing that Houston does have going for them is that uh, you know the Chiefs' defense isn't spectacular, but uh, you know they have gotten to the quarterback some this year. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, the pass rush with Frank, Frank Clark be uh, better this year. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but if you're Houston, you've got to be able to score touchdowns and not kick field goals, and uh, I, I think that uh, Kansas City just runs away with this one. Let's uh, talk about what's going up on in Lambeau tomorrow. It's supposed to be snowy. Uh, something good about a playoff game in the snow at Lambeau, uh, Lambeau uh, Field. So you've got the Seattle Seahawks uh, certainly um, win against the, the – uh, and a disappointing loss for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, but a win it was for them uh, to to beat uh, Philadelphia. And now they uh, 
they get ready for yeah, Lambo. I mean, I'm sorry. You, you know the the have the have the, the Packers have really impressed you all this year? Can you think of one big, huge signature win that they've had? It's just it's it's they're they're just a very bland team to me. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback, but it just hasn't been a a Packers team that to me that excites me very much. And and the Seahawks team. Uh, has continued to to excite me all year long. Russell Wilson continues to be fantastic, and with the emergence of DK Metcalf, as we saw last week, uh, you know the guy can change a game very quick. He can go up and get a football, and it can has breakaway speed down the field. So, I like Seattle going into Lambeau, and I know it's not a popular opinion, but I, I like the Seahawks to go into Lambeau uh, and win tomorrow night. So your thoughts, it's going to be uh, Seattle and San Francisco in the NFC Championship, and it's going to be the Baltimore uh, Ravens and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. No, I like the Titans. Baltimore. Oh, Titans. Okay, so the Chiefs and the Titans. So that scenario there, that matchup, the Chiefs and the Titans, who wins? Goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean – I think the Titans would run out of gas by that point. Uh, I think you see, oh, Kansas City, Seattle. Interesting. I think that's the Super Bowl match. Seattle back. City, Seattle. See, I would say if there was a team to return to the Super Bowl this year, it would be the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll we'll see how that, that uh, plays out. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Cleveland Browns and Freddie Kitchens. Uh, it looks like they might uh, land on Josh McDaniels. Uh, that seems to be the leading candidate, uh, but they are the last of the Mohicans, the last of the standout of the teams who have not hired a new coach for the 2020 season. What do we know about the Cleveland Browns and their coaching? Uh, that it's been terrible and terrible decisions have been made for years <laughs> uh, upon years now. Uh, you know, it, Josh McDaniels is a joke in my eyes. He was terrible uh, as a head coach. Um, you know, he's they want the coach to have a an input on hiring the GM. But remember, Josh McDaniels is, is the guy who drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. Uh, you know, so and we saw what happened with the Colts. I, I think Josh McDaniels is, is a, a terrible idea, absolutely horrendous idea. But uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns continue to make uh, absolutely horrible choices and uh, and tend to – I mean, when your owner says, we might not get it right this time, but we're going to try harder. I mean, what, what the hell does that mean? They, G, Jimmy and D. Haslam are terrible owners, possibly maybe even the worst owners in the history of football or uh, or sports altogether. And, and don't forget, that includes Donald Sterling, who got kicked out of his own team in the Clippers. So uh, they're, they're absolutely horrible, horrible people. They're terrible owners, and uh, I'm sure they will screw this up tremendously. So if let's say they uh, do still have some brain cells left, who would you like for them to bring into Cleveland? Well, I mean, the, the – uh, uh, obvious no-brainer is to bring in Baker's old coach from Oklahoma, uh, but I don't think he's going anywhere. However, another loss this year in the college football playoff. Uh, you know they make it every, they've made it every year, but uh, they continue to get waxed. So Lincoln Riley uh, would probably be the guy that I would look to. Uh, the game has gone to a more wide-open offense like college. Uh, I mean, the 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 choice probably should have been last year Mike McCarthy, and once Dallas I think realized that maybe Cleveland was leaning that way, they snapped him up pretty quick. Uh, so uh, I think they already made the first mistake in, in not hiring either Mike McCarthy or Bruce Arians last year, uh, and I think uh, I, I think Lincoln Riley would be my only choice this year, and, and would do whatever it took to get him there. Uh, but that's obviously not going to happen. So uh, I'm, I'm sure it's probably going to land on Josh McDaniels, and uh, what a what a horrible horrible idea. 
What do you think about some of the coaching uh, announcements that we've uh, that we've seen uh, this week? Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of different uh, uh, teams have filled their, their role. Uh, who was the winner of the coaching hiring season of 2020? Uh, I mean, right now it feels like the Cowboys because I think when the Giants hired their head coach, everybody ran to Wikipedia to see who the hell this guy was. Uh, you know, and you need a big personality, I think, and a big-time coach when you're coaching the New York football Giants, and, and I don't think they made the right hire at that point. You know, maybe I'll be wrong, but, you know, that, that's usually a, a city that needs a splash when it comes to their coach, and and they didn't do that. So right now, to me, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys with Mike McCarthy is, is he the guy, you know, and he's been all last year trying to, to bring analytics into the way he coaches and not just be an old-timey football guy. So he's really spent this last year, uh, you know, what he called Mike McCarthy University and uh, has really brought in other people trying to help him, you know, maybe change a few of his coaching philosophies. So uh, right off the bat, it seems like the, uh, it seems like the uh, Cowboys are the winners, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, it's about time to get uh, back into the college basketball talk, even though uh, college basketball has been going on for a while. Uh, but we still have uh, a month or two before we really get into the madness, if you will, of March Men. So let's talk about a big game in the Big Ten today, and that's IU, uh, at, I mean, Ohio State at IU. Uh, certainly a good win that IU had against Northwestern, uh, but this is going to be a, a tough game against the Ohio State. Ohio State Buckeyes, and there's rumor that Bob Knight might make an appearance at this game today. Yeah, but isn't it terrible, though, Tom, when you have to say it was a good win against Northwestern, who is probably the worst team in the Big Ten? I mean, yeah. the 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 job that Archie Miller has done at IU has been horrendous. Uh, I didn't like the hire from the get-go. I, I think he's been terrible. Uh, they're un, an undisciplined team. Uh, you know, the team that had been uh, good free-throw shooters uh, has, has faltered the past three or four games. Uh, they've had trouble shooting the three. They're lazy on defense. Uh, it, the offensive schemes are terrible. And, you know, and every time they've played a, a big-time opponent this year, uh, other than UConn, they've gotten embarrassed. So, I mean, what makes me think that this won't be a, a Wisconsin or Maryland-type game? You know, IU has looked terrible against uh, the top opponents in the Big Ten, and I think that trend continues today. And uh, uh, hopefully with Fred Glass, Glass retiring, that that will mean a uh, a new light shined on uh, the Indiana basketball program when we see a, a coach who can come in here and actually turn this around. At this point, uh, I think I would have rather Tom Crean still been the coach than this uh, – terrible uh, thing that, uh, that has happened with Archie Miller. At least Tom Green, that guy who's drafted in the NBA, who could stick with their teams, unlike Romeo Langford, who went from what was supposed to be a top five lottery pick. Uh, he can't even make the uh, sit on the bench with the Boston Celtics at this point. He's spent most of the time playing for the main red claws of their G League team. So uh, Archie Miller, that uh, experiment has been a disaster. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think maybe at this point, even I'd rather have Kelvin Sampson and, and tested with his rules breaking as opposed to what this mess has been. So, We'll see what happens, but, uh, uh, I mean, if I'm putting my money on the game today, I'm taking Ohio State minus the two because I, I, it, it has all the makings of another slaughter at Assembly Hall. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen uh, for IU's uh, sake. Another uh, team that's being fun to watch here in Indianapolis area, and that's uh, Butler. Uh, but Butler obviously is doing a fantastic job in the ACC uh, this year. What are your thoughts about Butler? Had a, a good win last night against uh, Providence, uh, but uh, Butler 15-1, uh, I believe. Here, here's what you have to ask yourself. Is how does a college an hour from 
what had been the biggest college program in the state for the longest time continue to get it right when it comes to hiring head coaches. Uh, maybe if I'm uh, the IU president, I'm looking at Butler's athletic director uh, to replace Fred Glass because time after time after time after time now, four or five coaches in a row, uh, since Brad Stevens left, Butler continues to get it right and move their coaches on to big-time programs. We'll see uh, another Butler product uh, in Assembly Hall today, uh, Chris Holdman uh, coaching for Ohio State. So how does Butler continue to get it right? But IU can't seem to, to do that. So uh, maybe if I'm Fred Glass at this point, uh, I look at the success Butler continues to have, and uh, maybe I, I try to pull their athletic director towards IU. So with the retirement of Fred Glass, uh, what what's uh... – uh, who who do you think is the best choice of a replacement? I, I mean, I think that guy resides on the bench of the Boston Celtics right now. Brad Stevens, uh, to me, would be would be the guy. I don't know if College would still be calling his name uh, at uh, at this point uh, to uh, to come back to school. Uh, and do that, but uh, I mean uh, that seems like a good pick. I think the Steve Alford train is far left the building. I don't know. Uh, I don't, and maybe that would satisfy fans for a couple of years. But uh, I think Steve is kind of a bland coach uh, at this point as well. I don't think his best days are behind him. So uh, you know, there's not really uh, another guy that jumps out to me right now uh, at this point. Uh, you know, other than those two guys. And if you're going to bring Brad Stevens back from the NBA, it's going to cost you a bunch of money. The one that might be available that could be a a uh, a guy to look at is this has been a disastrous. Uh, season for John Beeline with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who left a, uh, a bunch of success at Michigan. I mean, that guy can, came in and made that program a top 10 program and a, a, a team that went late into the tournament every single year. So, as this season continues to go back to the Cleveland Cavaliers and his uh, old school ways don't mess with these young millionaires, uh, you know, an outside fun choice could be John Beeline from the Cavs. Well, that would be a good one. That would be one name I haven't heard too too much about. Let's talk about today's game, uh, Georgetown at Villanova. Obviously, Villanova ranked uh, 16 in the top 25. Uh, certainly Villanova team that we always look at in the month of March. Georgia at Villanova. You know, Georgetown's kind of uh, fallen by the way. I'm at Georgetown, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, uh, is still a fun guy to watch, but uh, – you know, Villanova has, uh, you know, is still trying to mature some of these young guys that they have uh, as they look forward to trying to rebuild back the success they've had, uh, you know, a few years ago. So, uh, you know, this should be uh, a game that Villanova is able to take, uh, you know, with a little bit of ease, maybe 10-point, 12-point win. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Alabama versus number 14, Kentucky. Uh, this is one of the few cases you'll find me rooting for Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, Alabama has lost a couple of their good players over the past couple of years in the NBA, including Colin Sexton, who is a point guard for the Cavs right now. Uh, you know, it, this uh, this Kentucky team has been up and down, winning games that uh, that maybe they uh, shouldn't, and losing games like uh, like they did to uh, Evansville, they definitely shouldn't. Uh, so, uh, I think overall, Kentucky's obviously the more talented team. I, I think this uh, this should be an easier game for them. Uh, but again, this, that's the type of game that this Kentucky team has lost this year. So we'll have to see what happens. But I think you, you're looking at the Kentucky Wildcats win. Well, we got a Georgia against the number five Auburn. Uh, Auburn hosting the Georgia Bulldogs today. 
Yeah, Auburn's good in every aspect of their game. They're great offensively. They're great defensively. They they create a lot of fast break points. Uh, I I I think Tom Crean's uh, Georgia team is going to struggle uh, with this Auburn team today. They're a they're a team that just can go get it in every in every part of the game. So I like Auburn a lot uh, in this game. We've also got uh, UMass against number fifteen Dayton. Yeah, Dayton has been a fun surprise. That's the uh, the, the they got out front of the the wrath of Archie Miller, and hey, look at that! They've uh, they've gotten themselves back in the top twenty-five. Uh, UMass is a team that's never been able to uh, rebuild since the days of Marcus Campy. Uh, I like Dayton in this game. Really big game today. I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes on number four Baylor uh, goes into number three uh, Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, you know, uh, so uh, a lot of rumors and a lot of uh, issues around this Kansas team. I'd be interested to see what happens as far as uh, you know the different uh, the different lawsuits and the different uh, allegations that are against this Kansas team. I think that's going to continue to weigh them down. I like this fun uh, upstart Baylor team. They're a lot of fun to watch. And how can you not love the uniforms? I, I like Baylor today in the upset uh, against the Jayhawks. Uh, Notre Dame hosts number 13, Louisville, today. I think this is going to be a little bit too much for them to bite off. Louisville is just uh, too good of a team, too strong of a team uh, for the Irish to handle today. You're right. I, I think that, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, the, the Irish have graduated some of their better athletic players. I think Louisville is a team that can kind of just jump out of the gym. I, I like uh, Louisville too much. I think you're 100% right. It's it's uh, too much uh, for this uh, Notre Dame team today, uh, you know you, you do like the way this team competes, even though they're not as stacked. Uh, Notre Dame is, is they have been in the past, even, or even with uh, you know a lot of other teams that they play, they still play hard and they give their Mike Bray every ounce that they have. But a little bit is just too tough. Well, another Big Ten uh, ma- uh, matchup: Wisconsin against number twenty Penn State. Yeah, you know, uh, you've, you've seen Wisconsin uh, blow out uh, teams that they, they should beat uh, and, and take a couple of tough losses. Uh, you know, I still like this Wisconsin team much. I know, uh, you know, Penn State's a ranked team, but I like Wisconsin a lot. I think they they take the win today against Penn State. Gonzaga is on the road against LMU. There's not a lot to talk about this, but Gonzaga is number one uh, for a reason. So what are your thoughts? I think they continue to be number one after this. I mean, you know, you talk about a complete team and consistency as far as coaching goes. Mark Few is one of the best coaches uh, in basketball. Uh, has had big offers from other schools, continues to stay at Gonzaga, and, uh, you know, continues to build a powerhouse. So I think uh, Gonzaga stays number one after this. Another afternoon game is Syracuse, number 18, Virginia. Uh, you know, uh, Virginia, uh, again, another, uh, another team that's uh, fun to watch. We're going to be uh, – the defending national champions, a team that was uh, bounced by a 16 seed two years ago, wins the national championship, uh, puts a, a bunch of guys into the NBA, and, and now is trying to, uh, you know, climb their way back to the top with newer guys taking those starting roles. Uh, I think this is a, a, a an easy win for for the uh, Cavaliers. We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it, another good game happening this evening at 6 o'clock, number 22, Texas Tech, and number 17, West Virginia. This is a team that Texas Tech, I think, can beat. Yeah, the uh, the West by God, Virginia Mountaineers. And, uh, you know, you always want to watch. Uh, it's fun watching uh, West Virginia games just to see uh, how animated Bob Huggins gets on the sidelines. I agree. I think uh, I think uh, this is a team that Texas Tech could, uh, could beat as well. It's probably going to be a close game. And you always wonder, 
when does that uh, Bob Huggins explode again? So it's uh, always that uh, extra, uh, you know, side piece uh, to the game to watch Bob Huggins. But, yeah, I think Texas Tech could, uh, could definitely pull the upset today. Mo, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, uh, what, what's, what, are you, what are you working on for, for the weekend? Are you going to hibernate? Are you going to go boating on the, on the lake that's probably outside your house? Or <laughs> Yeah, I wish. I'm, uh, I'm filming afternoons on the Classic Rock Station, so I will uh, I'll be handling that and doing a blue show tomorrow, filming on that uh, tomorrow on, uh, on one of our stations. So my weekend is pretty packed with uh, football and that. I got gotcha. you. Doing the music jock thing, huh? All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, people can find you on Mo Radio Show, correct? Yeah, they can find me at Mo Radio Show, or you can listen online or on our uh, app at 1049theeagle.com as we hear the silky smooth music sounds. The silky smooth sounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, I see it. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us, wrapping it up, putting a bowl on it. My name is Tom Marquisale, President. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, helping us wrap up the IndyCar season, getting ready for uh, the IndyCar season. Thank you, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, breaking down the Battle of the Tigers, the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers. Thank you, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, SI.com, our official NFL contributor, breaking down uh, the divisional round playoffs this weekend. And, and of course, we just had Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. Don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. We do this thing called the balance every Saturday morning. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>